Welcome, everybody, to this uh, episode of Breaking Absolutes. Uh, I'm really, really excited today to get to talk to Floor Jansen from the band Nightwish. Um, before we get deeper into this, just uh, a reminder, if you like what we're doing here um, in terms of talking to artists at, in a sort of deeper way, uh, looking at a broad sense of their career, all with an eye towards um, building more audience for their work because we think it's deserving. Um, follow us, subscribe to the channel, help us uh, continue to have opportunity to have um, artists of this caliber. It'd be really helpful. Um, but with that out of the way, um, what I want to do with Floor before I bring her on is just share a, a couple of highlights. So for those who are less familiar, you get a sense of the altitude uh, of her talent um, and the work that she's done, and then we'll sort of progressively um, get more granular as we have our conversation. Um, so Floor has been a professional uh, in, in, the, in the very real sense of the word since the age of 16, and she can, she can keep me honest on all of this once, once we pull her on and tell me if I've got something wrong, but that's when she joined the band After Forever. Um, she has um, collaborated, and I always use this as a hallmark of greatness. She's collaborated with some of the, I th think, some of the most um, important uh, musicians and composers that are working today. And um, we'll talk a little bit about her work there, but I think it, it's a sign of the, the quality of her work that she sought after to do these kinds of collaborations. And it's sort of a who's who of, of, um, of musicians there. We won't, we won't have time to talk about them all, but we'll hit a few. Um, she won, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, the Booma Culture Pop Award, which is a, a prestigious Dutch award for an artist or band that's made an important contribution to Dutch music, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, those of you who are Nightwish fans, which is probably most of you, um, the, the band itself for its most um, recent album, Human Nature, was up for several uh, Finnish Emma Awards, and it actually won for middle album of the year. And of course, um, Floor is a distinctive and defining part of that sound now, so um, I think she rightly receives some of the credit for that. Um, there's no end of chart positions for um, the two most recent records uh, by Nightwish that uh, Floor was a part of, but just to name a few, it's um, the Endless Forms Most Beautiful, Most Beautiful was certified double platinum in Finland. Um, it hit gold in Czech Republic, Germany, Switzerland, and many, many others in the U.S. Um, it hit uh, the Billboard charts um, and climbed all the way to number eight. Uh, they had a very much the same kind of reception on human nature, um, number five in the Billboard charts. Um, uh, and interestingly, and this was something I didn't know, and we may not have time to dig into it, but she was featured in a film that really uh, took a, put a spotlight on, on female voices in metal. It's called Soaring Highs and Brutal Lows. Um, so the fact that she's included in, in those that, that they would follow and um, chronicle, I think, says something too. So with that as our um, setup, let me just bring Flora on and we'll talk to the woman herself. Flora, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Peter. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so pleased that, that uh, we can make this happen. I know you're very busy um, and it's later there for you. So you're um, more at the end of your day. Um, but so we'll, we'll, um, we'll spend an hour or so with you and then you'll, I don't know, you probably still have to work when <laughs> we're done. Um, <laughs> But uh, let me, before we uh, get into the, 
I guess, specific questions. Just ask a general question. You know, the whole world's been struggling the past year and a half. How have you, how have you weathered the COVID situation? Have you, you know, what's that been like for you? Um, well, for us, it hit, it hit the band even before it became a pandemic because our first shows of the world tour uh, that would start around the release of Human Nature, which was released last year in April, uh, we were supposed to start in China. Uh, so as soon as the first words of COVID-19 or, well, you know, when, when it was just in China, um, we already realized, okay, we cannot go to China. Uh, and then all of a sudden it became a pandemic and it became a worldwide problem. And at first, you, you, like everybody, you have no idea of how big this is going to be. Uh, so you think, yeah, but, you know, by the summer, maybe in the fall. And as long as you keep thinking that it's almost over, I think that it was pretty doable. And I all of a sudden had a whole summer at home, uh, which wasn't so bad, to be honest. I mean, there was beautiful weather. I got to spend time with my family. My husband is a drummer in a Swedish band called Sabaton. Uh, also very highly active touring band and all of a sudden neither of us were touring and we were at home um, so I can't really complain about that but um, of course you miss the tours we were really right well like I said gonna have a world tour and then nothing happened so that was very weird and it started to get harder as it started to get darker and colder here in Sweden where I live I'm, I'm Dutch uh, but I live in Sweden and um yeah, this, the feeling of, yeah, first we had an idea, but now we actually don't. We hope for this, we hope for that. But every time you, your hopes are being smashed, you stop hoping, basically. <laughs> so, okay, we, we stopped doing that. And uh, at this point, I, I kind of live by the week or by the month um, yeah. with the promises that the politicians are making, because really they are pulling the strings of this, uh, this show. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not not very impressed by the world leaders, uh, uh, to pull it mildly. Yeah. Um, so let's see what happens. But I, uh, after this uh, forced pa break, I'm very, very eager to get back out. <laughs> yeah. And that was maybe something I didn't felt as eager. You know, uh, I think at least, and I maybe speak for a lot of us, uh, you stop taking a lot of things for granted thanks to this. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting, too, uh, how... You know, for me, I spend a lot of my time right here in my office writing, um, but there's a there was a psychological sort of confinement that I, be, knowing I couldn't do certain things that, that created yeah. a mental fatigue that I couldn't explain. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it's an unnatural situation for us to be put in. Um, and some people got huge amounts of times on their hand that they, time that you usually don't have. Yeah. And I think depending on your character and maybe financial status, uh, home situation. It can be either uh, very interesting or very, very, very horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to hear that um, it's had a silver lining for you a little bit. Um, and I think there's generally hope right now that things are opening up and, and it's particularly live performance, which is a material uh, impact for you as a musician. Um, mm -hmm. I guess fingers crossed that doesn't take a strange turn between now and um, you know what i'm gonna have my first show now on thursday it's a solo show in the netherlands i'm gonna have uh, my flight tomorrow uh yet i've been having a cold all week and oh, i no. just took uh, a test uh that you know it's a it's a test you have to take to see if you can fly and really i don't believe i'm gonna do the show until i'm actually on stage <laughs> because 
even last week, um, the amount of people getting uh, infected with the virus went up largely in the Netherlands because the non-vaccinated part of our society is partying again and allowed to travel and well they they hang out you know close physical contact so yeah they get sick yeah uh and i can't believe that's a surprise but well it happened and then the politicians feel the need to put on more restrictions again and code red and all alarm bells go off and you can't do the show or have to put restrictions and okay well you know what we'll we'll see you know we'll see yeah but I really, really hope for, hope so. And that, you know, um, with all the knowledge of a pandemic as we have it today, as we should have had a year and a half ago, uh, we're not going to have any more surprises because it's weird how they talk about this virus as if it has varieties, which it doesn't. It has mutations. Yeah. But they, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of fear-mongering that I'm, I'm so fucking done with part of my French here. <laughs> no, I a hundred percent agree with you there. I, it's not that I think you or I or or many people are cavalier about it. Uh, I think you take it seriously and and you. Um, oh, absolutely! You it was of, super serious. But there there is um it has especially here. I I don't I guess I don't follow the the international stage as much as I do what's going on in the U.S. But there there's not a piece of information that comes out that isn't somehow weaponized by both sides of our politicians. <laughs> to yeah you know to to uh, it, ultimately it must be about retaining or gaining power um but it's yes. been created so much division in our country it's a, yeah. it's a true sadness for me um yeah when i see I can it imagine. so but then again you had a president that maybe also didn't really help to bring things together yeah. not that i want to go into american <laughs> politics but yeah. in general world leadership a health organization, the World Health Organization, somehow managed to not be prepared for a pandemic, which on a, on a planet that is overpopulated with one species, us, is a little bit weird to me. And that's, that's from there it went, you know, and then there are the politicians who just see personal gain. And yeah, I mean, what happened in the US is I did follow a little bit, of course, what was happening in the beginning of the pandemic was just horrifying and and just to see how slow um the system sort of jumped on fixing it yeah and now i'm i'm merely complaining towards the lack of real um focus on how how the next thing they're going to happen and the fear mongering around the delta mutation variety i think it's super um disturbing because the first ones to be really affected by it are people like me and i'm i've had it with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's right um i you know like you i have a lot of friends that are um in the in live performance industry i mean it's a central part of how the money is made now in music um we will try to avoid i think the conversation about dsps um uh, you know, unless you're very passionate about sharing an opinion, uh, I have a very low opinion of them. And it's it, it's foisted so much additional pressure on live performance and merchandising for musicians to make a living. Um, and I think it's very criminal. But so when something like this happens and it removes that a central part of how you um, probably feed your family and pay your mortgage and all of those mm -hmm. things that we have to do, uh, y y I would like to think that our... Uh, 
we do we did have this thing happen in America. They they opened up a part of the relief fund for what they call gig um, gig professionals, which includes okay. musicians. So there, yeah. there was a little bit of relief, but it was it was it was negligible compared to what you'd make going out. So there's just, I don't think enough regard for people who make a living doing live performance. And um, Mm -hmm. when they say that in America, they're thinking about, you know, LeBron James and these basketball players who are doing live performing and making, you know, $30 million a year. They're not thinking about a a guy who goes into a club and comes away with $300 so he can buy milk. Anyway, sorry, I, I don't want to rant about rant about it. Um, well, let's let's let us think about the bright future where uh, where we all learned a lot of valuable life lessons. Um, yeah, because I I do like the silver lining, as you say. I, I want to keep focusing on it, and that's also how I put how I've been going through this whole phase uh, of life. Yeah. Uh, like I said, focusing on the things that I do have instead of the things that I don't, because uh, it's frustrating. And you can't change it. Yeah. Uh, yet I found myself utterly, utterly frustrated and angry about a situation I couldn't change as the Dutch government got so frightened about, you know, the partying teenagers. And that was a little like, yeah, okay, this feels like an unnecessary measurement, but health comes first. If anybody knows, it's me, you know, I think it's very important, but you can't, um, you can't be unprepared for situations to come anymore. I don't believe in that anymore. So, yeah. uh, but I think now we're really, really, really getting to the end of it. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how the world is going to look like, um, let's say in, in half a year after the pandemic, if yeah. we really are able to go back to exactly how it was before, or if we like to keep on a couple of things that we had during the pandemic. I, let's see, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, there that's- were good things too. That's the one I'm most curious about um, is even people who have become vaccinated or have feel like they have a sufficient, sufficient immunity because they've had the virus. Uh, um, is the percentage of those who are going to go back to, to concerts the same or some mm-hmm. percentage of those folks yeah. just decide it's not quite worth the risk? do that anymore yeah it may be depending on how uh, if you have any illnesses you know that that makes you high risk yeah that that i i find hard to uh to answer but if if people that studied their whole lives to figure these things out say that it's okay i would like i, I could imagine taking a leap of faith yeah because health health comes in many forms but like uh, i said i yeah. can't really feel it in because i'm healthy i don't have any you know, different, I don't have any problems that could spike uh, the problems getting COVID. So, uh, yeah, but then again, I'm a singer. So the fear of the virus has been there, uh, you know, and I fear of it would affect my lungs and I would not be able to belt out the notes that I'm belting out now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everybody would very, be very sad about that. Um, yeah. But I, I really, before we move on, you made a very, a very insightful comment there that I want to highlight, and that is that health comes in many ways. And as important as uh, corporeal health is, you know, of the body, um, mm-hmm. there's people who are languishing because they, they aren't able to spend time going to a concert where they feel a sort of sorority and fraternity with people who are like-minded. Um, yeah. And mental health, which I think the music that you make um, provides, you know, some relief for, is, is, has been absent now for 18 months. And I yeah. don't... I've never really heard that as a as a, a central part of the conversation when they talk about health. It's usually fixated no. on the body 
Um, and that's a, that's a, that's a miss for sure. Absolutely. But I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the world's still a big place. I I do have been reading on a lot of problems, mental health problems that have uh, spiked during these pandemic days and the people that already had a tendency towards depression or have depression or even medic depressed yeah put them in a pandemic it's it's horrible or people that suffer from abuse at home or all of a sudden forced to live at home with their abusers it's there there are a lot of things that happened that that we don't know of probably as of yet not to mention all the problems that come from people that didn't go to the doctors because they thought it's safer to stay away from hospitals right now, even though I had this pain in my belly or this whatever you might have. Um, but I totally agree that concerts and music are food for the soul and they are a vital part of our society, else I would not have become a, as successful as I became. And I don't want to brag, but that is because people need this and we need to share it. And through the internet, it's only, hmm, you know, I did not spend 20 years traveling the whole world because it could also be done by internet. Yeah, <laughs> It's not really replacing the real thing. And uh, thank heavens we have it though, but it's it's not the real thing. And it's really, really about time. And I really hope that um, there will be more recognition for that fact worldwide. There <laughs> is a, um, I, ha- I had a conversation a few weeks ago with a woman from London who is uh an anthropologist and she has written papers on um, the very real positive value of metal music in general, but in specific of attending concerts live mm-hmm. um, and what that means for the people who go. And, and so I, I'm just sort of accentuating your point there. I, it's wonderful. I, and we're going to talk just a little bit about the virtual concert you guys did, which was amazing. And it's great for Vance fans to be able to stay connected to artists they love in these ways but it, it can't be a replacement. There's something um, that I think is kind of ineffable about being co-located with pe- people, um, enjoying a moment um, of live music and performance. Like, like you, you just can't simulate that with, you can't do it with VR, you can't do it no. with anything. Um, no. And um, th- so, and this, uh, this is what I meant by when, I know that there's been conversations about mental health. What I've never really heard is, you know, the things that people do um, to that ensure or help mental health, aside from pharmaceuticals, um, are things that we have put the tightest clamp on, and that and that's have an impact on you. All of which is to say, I'm very excited you're back on. You're out yeah. next week is your first show. You said, no, this week. This on week, Thursday. Okay, <laughs> this week on Thursday. Um, and two days. Oh God. <clears throat> oh wow! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just realized. Yeah. <laughs> we will. Um, we'll at the very end. The last thing I'll do is I'll ask for all of the things that are coming up and a place to point people, so we make sure that all everybody watching and who sees this um, can uh, come see you. Um, and I don't know. And we uh, will any of this be televised or through streaming? Are you going to try and couple it, or is it? No, that really won't be possible. But um, a year and a half ago, I was going to do a uh, solo show uh, in the Netherlands that got canceled. I did not 10 shows. Well, I planned 10 shows. I did nine. And the 10th, which was going to be the biggest, that never happened. But for that show, I did a crowdfunding campaign because so many people all over the world said, great, you now have a solo career blooming in the Netherlands, but the world's bigger than that. And we want to see you too. 
um, well, time didn't allow me to actually say, okay, well, let's start planning an international tour then. So I instead um, uh, opted for this, this crowdfunding campaign. If you want to see me live, either come to the Netherlands or let's see if we can get this uh, crowdfunding or get a, get the show registered and, you know, put it on, on YouTube then. Yeah. And that's what I did, but then the show never happened. But as it's as it is looking like today, and fingers crossed, as I said, I don't trust anything to happen until it finally really does. But if everything stays as it's planned, on the 3rd of September this year, I will do that show. And that will be fully filmed and registered. I'll do a behind-the-scenes documentary along oh, with nice. it for the rest of the world to also see. So, um, but yeah, let's hope that uh, if politicians keep doing their work, <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Good. Good. That's that's excellent. Um, will all of this information that you're that you'll share be available on your website if we point people there? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That and, and and the stuff I'm doing with Nightwish because my last show with Nightwish was in late December, uh, December 2018. Holy cow! That, wow. Yeah. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, 2019, little break, making the album. 2020, now we're going to release it. And we released it, but the, well, the rest is history. The, show, so the show's never, never happened. Yeah. So um, the virtual show for us that we did in this virtual world, for us, our green bathroom, uh, was the first thing semi-live that we've done ever since. And uh, late this month, late July, where we were gonna we we're gonna do uh, real festivals in Finland with real people. <laughs> it's gonna be, uh, I mean, yeah, for us after even uh, an extra year, two years of waiting, it will be uh, it will be very nice. I'm sure my neck will hurt like <clears throat> <laughs> not being used to it anymore. I even jumped over forty in the in the time in between. So great. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... You're going to be like a kid in a candy store, as we say. Like You're going to, oh. you're going to be so excited to be in front of people again. That's going uh, to be I think I'm just going to start crying. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Can't sing. Can you imagine the, the audience, uh, the people are, who are just waiting to get out to concerts? It's going uh, to be, yeah. It's going to be so magical. You know, uh, my, my husband uh, plays drums in Sabaton, and they had a big festival in Serbia that's going on i think maybe still works it just ended it was this weekend anyway and uh, they played last friday um and if you see the happiness if we if we go back yeah. to how how we thought about mental health and the and the you know how how it is to be at a concert just looking at the people that were there because they had a live stream so i could follow uh it was pure happiness pure joy everybody was so happy and it's metal and it's dark and they sing about horrible wars but everybody's just high, you know, this, oh, this music and the, and sharing it. It's, yeah, it's something to really look forward to. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I have a feeling you're going to get um, a, this deafening wall of roaring fans um, who are just so excited to be out and participating in a concert. It's going to be electric. I just know it I is. I will be roaring with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds. It's getting me excited just to think about because um, I've seen Same some here, other yeah. bands starting to very slowly publish um, tour schedules, and um, yeah. I know there's always sort of fingers crossed that nothing crazy happens, but yeah. um, I feel like you do. I'm optimistic that the worst is behind us. Um, the world's going to go forward. 
Um, and so let's um let's go back though now. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, your sort of your pre-music days. Um, as a child, I read you wanted to be a biologist. That is that yeah. is that accurate? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Was what was the the impetus for for a young woman to want to be a biologist? Was did someone you I know? I wasn't even a young woman. I was really a child, but I, I I was I was in love with everything that was natural, the natural world, everything nature around me, fascinated by everything, and um, uh, I don't really under I don't think I understood what a biologist is, what that means to be, but I understood that when you do that, then you have a very deep meaning of, of nature and you learn a lot about species and the planet and how things work, um, that I really don't have that type of brain to ever become one. I had no idea, but I just love nature and, and I connected that to biologists because a lot of, you know, documentaries and stuff um, that was available at that time, pre-internet, uh, was, um, yeah, very fascinating to me and biologists made those, so I wanted to become a biologist. <laughs> That's really, really cool. And then later, you actually had um, a species of beetle named after you, right? Yes. Can't, I try. I can't pronounce this. Can you pronounce it for us? No, I, I can't either. It's it's this Latin name with with bit of my name in it. Uh, it's it's something how... like Temestisternus florjansen florjanseni. I probably yes. didn't do that great, but this was uh, a the scientist's name was Andre Vagel. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really really cool. What an honor. Absolutely. I mean. The, the thought that that there is a species here in the planet that 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 yeah got named after me uh yeah it's 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 very very special there as a, the album says of night wish there are endless forms the most beautiful on this planet but not one actually wears my name <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome that's really cool um uh skipping and you know i've got you're gonna see method to my madness i'm kind of gonna walk forward in time um but do you, you, separate from music, like one of the defining things I would I would say, um, because I'm a I'm a dad, is that you um, in 2017 you announced the birth of your daughter, and my my question there um, is that did that event lend anything to um, your approach to music, whether it's in how you, how you feel the lyrics you may be uh, conveying or, or in any way. I, I, and the reason I ask is because I remember when my daughter was born, um, something, the moment I, I was in the delivery room and the moment I saw her, something, a physiological change. I became a dad in a way that I, I couldn't have anticipated. And it, yeah. it changed, it, it colored the way I think about things. Um, yeah. And I just wondered, since as a, as a musician, if, and I may be drawing a correlation that doesn't exist, but I just was hoping you could, you know, give us an, some insight on how that may have broadened your thinking about being a musician or how you how you create music. Yeah, you, you're spot on when you say that the thing there's something changing fundamentally in you when you go from uh, being um, being yourself and maybe a husband or a wife or a friend or a daughter or a mother or a daughter or a son or things you have been and then you become a parent. Now you are somebody's mother or you're somebody's father, and that 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 is that is a change that you can read about and you can hear other people babble about, 
and other parents they're going to tell you that everything's going to change and always you really cherish the first years because everything goes so fast and, and it's all very true but you don't know until you live it and so I've, I share that that experience absolutely um, and I thought it was quite a task to go from uh, being a musician to being a musician and a mom because I, I am somebody who does things 100 yeah. percent and you cannot be 200 percent because there's still only one of you <laughs> so how do you divide your love and devotion to these two big things in your life family my daughter my husband and of course also my parents you know my, my family and, and my career and I thought that was quite a quite a yeah, quite something to do because I want to be equally dedicated and uh, you need to find your balance there. Um, when Freya was 11 months old, we, uh, we started our seven weeks tour in the US. Uh, having her with me the whole trip, that was, that was a huge change to how I would tour before uh, and super enjoyable and unforgettable, but incredibly tough because I, you know, even when you have somebody with me, with you to, to take care of your child when you, when you're working, as soon as you're not working, you're, you're a mom. And yeah. especially to basically still a baby, uh, there's nobody really replacing you there either, yeah. which nobody will be able to do anyway, even now she's a little bit older, but it's, um, it's definitely a life-changing and enriching experience. I'm very, very happy that I get to have both because uh, it is a choice uh, and a commitment to make for life. So of course, as soon as you say, I'm going to be a mother, I'm going to be that. Also when I'm on tour, also when we're making new albums and the way you regard the world's uh, music, emotions in general, it's, it's definitely changing. And uh, during the pandemic, I've been actually writing stuff that hasn't been come out or haven't um, been able to make that next step there. But um, there are definitely you want to put things in there of you, you actually it should be one big love declaration to your child but I'm, i've never been really good in writing love songs so it, it's going to be wrapped up differently but uh, yeah it's it's a beautiful life-changing experience for sure and and it it seeps through everything i do from the moment that she was there yeah yeah, yeah i i suspected as much um kudos to you for um balancing the two it's uh I, I've said this before on my show. I, I think that the work that a mother does is um, um, criminally sort of underappreciated um, uh, in, at least in the society that uh, swirls around me. So I have a lot of regard for, for women who make that kind of commitment. Um, let's talk about, um, go a little bit into your voice. So you have, um, you know, you have a very beloved voice. When you go around the internet and you see the, uh, you know, the lists that they create, you're always on the lists, um, yeah. <laughs> and and rightfully so. But if we kind of just uh, click a little deeper, you do possess th this unique ability to um, sing, um, in a with a clean voice, both in a very sort of covered tone, um, um, operatic. Uh, sort of way and have it, that sort of richness and roundness in in the quality you can certainly belt and hit those things with with just a lot of fire um when you want to you can sing with grit um i watched a bunch of videos getting ready for this of, that I, of music i hadn't heard where you just really get into that aggressive sort of growl uh and move in and out of the the, the clean tone 
and 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 the growl with such facility um and so you know there's all of these this your voice is very um complex in that way um but you but you do it with such ease across you know these various colors i wanted to ask i know that you spent some time at the dutch rock academy and later it says that uh, the conservatorium tilburg if i if i had that right Mm-hmm. Are, were these places central to um, your development of this uh, of this ability to, to broaden your voice in all of these ways, or did you come into it with a lot of natural ability to do those things? I would say it's probably a bit of both. Um, I, I'm, I'm very lucky to have been gifted with, with the voice that I have, which uh, seemingly has no real restrictions in, okay, shall I try this or shall I try that? Um and thanks to my studies, I got in touch with with a lot of things that I could do uh, with it. Um, however, when you so Rock Academy was a real like study. Um, yet the, the school at the time was completely new. It was the first time they were teaching pop and rock music on the same level as classical music in the Netherlands. Uh, this was back in '99. And with that, uh, I, I became sort of the guinea pig of, of that uh, type of uh, schooling in the, in the Netherlands, along with, uh, with my COGOA students, which meant that not everything was really there, um, ready as in here is, this is the path you're going to be following. Um, of course, they made a plan, but then we, they were going to adapt and change and listen to us. We, we were asked to give a lot of feedback, which resulted into really actively thinking about the type of education we were getting. And at the same time, I already was singing in After Forever, which was a metal band. Uh, and I was trying all kinds of stuff with my voice that I couldn't really do at school, not at the Rock Academy, because I was the only one using my voice like that. They kind of said, like, yeah, um, we're not going to do that because you're the only one doing it. Great reason. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so <laughs> and one day we had this master class of a teacher that's actually teaching at the conservatory. Um, and after that class, I was like, okay, this guy, I want to, you know, I want to have lessons with him. And from there, I, I really, really grew um, because it's, it's a very personal thing. I think uh, having a good click with your, with your vocal teacher is essential for, for the actual development because it's very personal. It's very emotional and it's, it's not just a physical thing. You need to push these and these buttons and then some things has happened. You need to sort of feel safe enough and inspired enough to uh, to grow and I really did that under his lead and from there um, I developed myself slowly but surely but I would say that the curiosity always stayed on so long after my studies um, when I stopped with After Forever and I started my band Revamp also in the Netherlands I, I was so angry with the world and so angry in general, I wanted to just puke out so many things. And from that came way more aggressive music and my voice needed to be way more aggressive for that. So I started to, yeah, try to understand how that works. And um, in the process, I need to really state that the development of vocal techniques that are non-classical are relatively young. Classical music, so operatic singing, the techniques behind it, they are several centuries old. Uh, But techniques, vocal techniques from non-classical singing, they're only a few decades old. Uh, Especially singing, if you really sing, then you sing opera, and for that there are techniques. And if you don't do that, you don't use your voice correct. That's that's something that in the in in the beginning of the 1900s, that was a very normal thing to say. And so when a rock academy comes along, 
90 years later or so and they say uh we're gonna do we're gonna make a study out of that it wasn't like there was something really ready the techniques are just a couple of decades old and they're in a yeah. constant change and even throughout my life and throughout this constantly th new things are happening and i'm trying to follow them and that's how i taught myself how to growl and how to sing with a raw edge without ruining it in here and, and put it in, adding it to the palette but I have to really say that despite all the knowledge of techniques and my, and my interest in it, I'm, I'm a real nerd when it comes to that, I would say the thing that really, really helped me to really become who I am today is actually aging, <laughs> becoming more mature, having, having, I found a way to really transmit what I'm feeling into my voice. And I've always done that, but it never came out as good as it does nowadays. And and that is that is not something that I can read in any vocal technique. That is something that you have or you don't, and you have to learn it how to really depend. You know, and it doesn't matter what you sing. You can either recite you can recite your 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 shopping list. If you have a certain emotion you put through it, people will fucking feel it. And and that is something that I didn't really understand back in the days. And I think I've learned that mainly through singing Night Wishes music, Thuamas's words, our songwriter. He has this fantastic ability to put emotion into music, and I, I am the transmitter of that. But in order to be that, I have to really understand it. I have to really feel it, and that taught me enormously much. Yeah. Yeah, boy, you said so many great things there. I, I have to <laughs> ask you, um, I did see that you, um, you taught for a while, uh, and the name of your course, I think, was Want to Be a Star. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's all very very long time ago i i put uh, that was one of my uh projects at school okay. um to to put up like a master class or a workshop i think yeah so i did uh, for a while i had like private classes and workshops and master classes master classes came when i got a bit more of a name and uh it, the, is I the, think I, i'm sorry go ahead I taught for, for 10, 15 years, okay. but uh, ever since Nightwish, I really don't have any time apart from an occasional masterclass. Um, yeah, it, I just really, uh, I didn't really found the time for it. And now during the pandemic, I could have maybe done more, but I wanted to put that energy into being creative and not into teaching. Then again, I still think that teaching also this, just like with concerts, it's nice to do it in person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, and you answered my question. I was going to ask if it's still something you had time to do. Um, no, I what I did do, however, um, not replacing the real thing, but I, I put on a few uh, like what master classes on my uh, YouTube channel. Okay, where I go through a couple of basics, so uh, for people to maybe have as a like a prefer, you know, like a practice material, uh, I run through the basics of understanding how things work. Okay, good. Well, when we point people to your website, they can. I, I'm sure you yeah. have a link to your YouTube, so they'll be I able do. to find some of that. Um, okay, let's talk then uh, more specifically about um, your music. So mm -hmm. the we've already kind of mentioned After Forever was yeah. first band. You were 16 is when you joined. That's yeah. super young, Floor. <laughs> how's, yeah, that, but, how's that happen? I... Well, I, I was singing and playing guitar. I was writing some songs of my own, and I uh, I used to play 
Uh, I had friends who really loved what I did. So when I, uh, whenever there was a little party of us hanging, uh, they would ask me to play them. And at one of those parties was a friend of the guys in Actor Forever. And okay. uh, he knew that I was into metal as well. And they were, you know, a metal band. But you have to think teenagers pre-internet pre-self-recording systems, you know, laptops and stuff that were affordable. Uh, it, it, you know, it, we didn't even have a cell phone yet, or maybe <laughs> just the first ones. Right. Uh, yes, I'm that old. So <laughs> it's a different, it's a bit of a different time. So we spent, uh, as soon as he said, well, they are looking for a background vocalist because women in metal, it wasn't really help, helping, help, uh, happening that much yet. But uh, they were looking for a backing vocalist for the guy who was growling. And I was totally into The Gathering, which, uh, which is an, a Dutch metal band. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I would definitely love, you know, to join. And so for the, for the first month, I, I, uh, I was there coming up with vocal lines as a, like a backing, backing vocalist. But uh, quite soon, that guy who did the growls, he left. And I became the, the main singer. And with that, we were really one of the first um, in the Netherlands but because of the success of the gathering there was actually a platform for it it was interest in there so that's why we uh, quite soon after touring a little bit in the Netherlands which is a very very small country um, we got to uh, yeah sign a record company a record contract which of course we never should have signed it was completely shit so we made all the classical mistakes there, but hey, we did have, a, you know, a record label, and there we went with our first album when I was eighteen, and yeah, it it brought me uh, to a lot of places. So it's it's uh, yeah, but I, I as soon as things really start to become a little bit more serious, and that then we talk about you know many years, um, the love for it was 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 very very big. It was very very serious. We took ourselves very serious. We really wanted to get there. Yeah. And so we rehearsed twice a week. We were in touch quite a bit. Um, after a while, even by email and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And then we got our first website, and all of that started <laughs> to happen. Yeah. So um the the what I, one of the things I noted there is that um from from what I gathered in in some of my research is you were a central songwriter in that band once things kind of got rolling. Yeah. Um, not, not instrumentally, but I, I, I'm responsible for all the vocal lines and, uh, uh, yeah, that is an essential part of the music. I absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the, the, the because we, there's so many things I want to cover, um, we could and we could spend so much time just on after forever, but there is, you guys did, um, the album invisible circles. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, uh, it, tr it, boy, it has some heavy themes, that album. Uh, it really does. How is, uh, you being the person responsible for conveying these themes, mm -hmm. writing the lyrics and, and these melodies, um, what, what was that like? Like, what was the source material? And, and um, how did you, how did you, that's a, quite the challenge to convey, and you don't have to give us all of the storyline, but it, it deals with some childhood trauma and abuse issues, correct? uh not not abuse as a physical or sexual but definitely mental mental yeah an unwanted child uh yeah self-centered parents uh, and the, the title means that you it it usually comes full circle a non a not loved child becomes the parent 
of a child he or she can't love uh, yeah. and it and it just continues and somewhere in the story um uh, the child and even with help of the grandparent tries to break through these invisible circles in order to you know break break the chain um and and i can i can say I'm very relieved <laughs> that it's nothing uh, autobiographical i have uh, i have had the joy of growing up with uh, uh my both parents being happily married and uh, very yeah we moved around a lot but that was the only thing that was a little you know shit every now and then so i i i come from a really really uh safe background yeah but um most sources come from the t- my my ex-boyfriend uh, uh, was the guitar player in after forever and, and i was with him for many many years and he uh worked in a school and worked with a lot of children who didn't have such a lucky upbringing as i had mm. so he would come home sometimes with stories about it and um yeah, that spiked that that for me formed the base of of uh, of the story, and uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, there are so many examples that it's not really hard to make a story out of it. Yeah, you did a, an excellent job. Um, the, I listened to that record, and I, I commend people who who are watching now or who see this later to go and check it out. It's um, um, cathartic in in some very interesting ways. I like you had a very good childhood. But it allows you to sort of um, hold that at bay as you g- take this journey uh, and understand it. Um, I think it's a really, really good record. Um, Thank you. And w- there's I haven't talked about it in many years. It's really nice to go back into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot there um, in After Forever. It, it um, I, I think part of what impresses me is you came into that so young. Uh, I mean, I remember the, my musical efforts at that age, and they were so immature <laughs> uh, but i i have to say so do i see myself if i listen to our first first album or even the second um i'm i'm beyond proud of it still don't get me wrong but uh there is a lot of growing there sure. both musically as lyrically um also in the you know i'm dutch so it, english is not my native native language but i was fascinated about it i have a thing with languages so I, I tried to use as many complicated words as I could just because yeah, I thought it sounded so fantastic. Yeah. Not always rightfully using the words though, um, or n- not even having the exact right pronunciation, not even really have a great understanding of the differences in, in English, British English, American English, even Australian English, that there is fundamental differences, but uh, it was a way for me to express myself and throughout the years, um, yeah, you form yourself into trying to write something that that works for you and hopefully for other people too <laughs> no i think i love all that stuff I, I was listening to a record the other day by a band called tears for fears they wrote a record called the hurting and mm-hmm. they were really young and there's just all of this I- I- emotional like deep deep emotional pain being evidenced in it and they were really young when they wrote it and i think it's i think it's kind of a cool document of your of who you were at that time in addition to yeah, being a cool record, right? Absolutely. No, and I, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. I mean, the first records, I don't think, I didn't really always have the possibility to really put in that much of myself as in uh, write about something I went through or something that I wanted to communicate. That came a little bit later, but uh, Invisible Circles was a great way for me to get into um, storytelling in that sense differently. Yeah. And later on, way more. I mean, in revamp, it was basically just one big emotional bomb that I needed to 
get out and most of the lyrics there are very personal the rock project i did northward a lot of very personal stuff in there uh, and it was great to get it off my chest yeah. and also great to sometimes get reactions back like i really feel you there i really recognize myself and thank you for sharing this with me um but it's interesting to see that everybody everybody will read my lyrics differently than i do when i wrote them they sure. will they will live them differently throughout their eyes and their luggage of life and um maybe even through time that you have a lyric that really connects with a part of your life that later on doesn't have that same meaning but um it's a very subjective thing and that's the beauty of it because in that sense it can never really be wrong unless of course you use the english language wrong you just you know <laughs> yeah no i it's um i think it works on many levels because i i agree with you we all bring uh a, a different set of experiences to something, but there's also, I think there's also value to the idea that as, as humans, we have shared experiences. Um, people who have, um, experienced, you know, abuse, the, all of the, the contributing factors, um, may not be the same, but you know, the, the feelings and the, the, re, you know, the, I guess the pain, the wounds that, that lingers, those things have enough of a sameness that when you sing about it, someone else can still feel it. Um, it's yeah. not, it's not foreign. Um, the, no. And so I, uh, so the, it, I think it works on both levels, at least to me. Um, and when I, yeah. and I, when I listened to the record, even though I have had a happy childhood, I was able to, to conjure some of those feelings. So yeah. um, kudos to you uh, on that. Yeah. Thank and you. <laughs> and you said something important there, I think, um, that that bears on so much of your career. You talked about storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. We, you know, in looking at so much of your collaborative stuff that you've done um, with Arjun Lucasen, um, um, gosh, I'm looking at a bunch of them. The one you did with uh, Timo Toki. Am I saying his name correctly? <laughs> um, in Avalon, there, I mean, there's so many. Uh, and interestingly, one of the characters you played was a biologist in the source. Yeah, which I thought was kind of fun since you were uh, a budding biologist Absolutely. as a kid. But there, uh, so much of this work is narrative driven. It's concept albums and story. Uh, so mm -hmm. it seems as though you. I don't know if you fell into this or this was just um, something that was inside you, but you become very good at relating narrative through music. Um, Thank you. Is that, is that something, do you think you came by naturally or is some of it a consequence of so much of your work sort of requiring you to tell stories? Um, yeah, I, th I think a little bit by doing it and, and trying to really understand how, how I can transmit what I feel. Um, yeah, and, and as I told earlier, I feel that night we should really help me in, in growing uh, being, becoming better uh, at this, um, not only feeling it myself, but transmitting what I feel, uh, allowing my feelings to, um, yeah, be, 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 be the, the power behind it. Um, and, uh, yeah. and in that, in that sense, becoming very genuine in what I, what I transmit, it's still multi-interpretational, but I mean it like this. Yeah. And, and, and you may take it in your way, but because it's so genuine, um, you, you might feel it. Yeah. And, and that sense. is something that I, I noticed is very strong. And if you then have um, that, I can sing like I did. I sang the song Shallow, 
which I think is a nice song and it has a little bit of meaning in it. But for me, not that much. But I, there is a feeling in that song that I do feel and I can transmit that and yeah. it comes out. But I, if you then give me a concept, if you give me a real story, that is so much easier to go into, even though not always when I record something for Aryan, for example, Aryan Lucas, uh, whether it's for Star One or for, for an, an Aryan proje uh, project, I don't really understand the full uh, story yet. So I get an idea of it, but I, um, yeah, I really need to feel feel the song. And and off and if the song is good, uh, the the, uh, the it does a lot of the storytelling for me. It's not just the words; it's also the natural feel of what the song is doing and where where the dynamics need to come and where um, what emphasis I need to use and what words to to really really spit out the meaning of them. And uh, even that, like I said, regardless of knowing if I know the whole story or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that's a place where even before you got to Nightwish, you think you were doing really, really fine work. Um, Thank you. And the, mm -hmm. the you know, I was going to do a one nod to Star One. Um, I had mm -hmm. Russell Allen on the show not too long ago, and um, he sure sp thinks highly of you. Um, uh, well, we've been friends for a long time. Not, not having that much in touch lately, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, I met him when I was 21. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Almost 20 years ago now. So, well, that <laughs> he's a great guy. He is and my, he's my idol, my the voice of metal for me and rock. I mean, he can do anything. But uh, if you talk about like feelings in a voice, transmitting yeah. like emotion, I agree. Well, there you go. I agree. He's, uh, yeah. And so, uh, this is um, it, not to put too fine a point on it, but when Aryan is putting together sort of a super group which in, at its inception was going to have Bruce Dickinson in it. And then there's things happened uh, so that it didn't have Bruce Dickinson. But he assembled some just amazing, amazing voices. And you and Russell, in my mind, kind of lead that troop. And um, so, you know, yin and yang there or something. Uh, but uh, that's another one that uh, I commend people to. And I think it's, it's also a place where your, your gift as a vocalist and your growing sensibil narrative sensibilities um, begin to sort of lock really, really well. Um, the last question wow. I... You're getting a lot of compliments here. Thank you. Well, um, it's, I think it's important to say, and this is some of the information I want people to take away from the show so that they, they, if they know you less well, they come, um, we, can, we can point them towards your work. Um, I have one last question on, on After Forever before we move on, and that is, um, you did a song called "Living Shields" on the Reimagine record. Yeah, that's a um, that's a really powerful, powerful song. I, yeah. uh, can you t will you take just ten seconds or twenty seconds and tell us about it? Because I think it's <laughs> I think it's an important song. It, it's inspired on a situation that happened in Russia somewhere, um, where um, there was fights between Russia and another country that used to be Russia. I don't even understand. Chechenia, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but anyway, um, two groups of grown-ups fighting over land, whatever, and um, they used children as living shields in this battle. And uh, sometimes news hits you like it hits me now thinking about it again, because it, it's, so, it's so wrong and so sick that it, I, I had to write about it, so that became yeah. living shields. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's such a disgusting practice, 
Um, I mean, war. Unbelievable. How, how little is left of your humanity if you can do that. Yeah. It's still a child, whether it's from the other group or not. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, war itself is disgusting, but um, of all of the things and tactics of war, um, I don't know something lower than that. So um, I was, when I returned to that, that cut, um, it hit me because that stuff's, I've seen that in the news in the intervening years. And so that's one that's got um, continued saliency. Uh, a very powerful track um, from your from your after forever days. Um, uh, are you okay if we go a little over time? A little bit, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so on, uh, let's move forward to revamp. Um, uh, this one you kind of founded. Um, this was this was Floor yeah. Jansen founding and um, going to be you know your baby. And you were doing. You did all the all the songwriting on this. Did you get into the instrumental part as well as the vocal stuff in the songwriting? Uh, yeah, but I did not do do that by myself. So there okay. are stuff. There's a lot of stuff based on stuff I wrote, but since uh, me playing, you know, heavy guitar is completely it's not happening. So it's based on okay. uh, either me acoustic guitar or piano uh, things. Sweet Curse, for instance, is entirely mine, um, and there are more songs that. Um, that I, I did way more in, but I, I was very lucky, very gifted uh, band members as well there for the heavy riffing and that part. So the, um, and it, it looks like you have remained friends with all of the folks from After Forever, you various incarnations of bands that you've guested on or, or continue to write with. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I mean, when you stop a band after 12 years, it's almost like, ending a marriage which never really happens without ugly words being said mm. um but uh with with the vast majority of the group i'm on absolute perfect terms and uh, uh, at least for speaking terms with everybody so um yeah i wouldn't say i, I left uh, i left a lot of uh, horrible relationship but you can't have a 20 year plus career with everybody happy always yeah that's fair um, I want to ask just briefly before we go move to Nightwish. Um, you know, you you've been pretty pretty um, open about you know going through some burnout. I think in 2011, um, yeah. was this was this just a, a consequence of so much work touring and writing and performing, um, or did you have and you don't have not that I'm asking you to share, but were there other things bearing on you outside of music? Um. I would say a combination of, of, of a lot of things, um, but funny enough, and that was something that I learned uh, and it's still an ongoing learning curve. A lot of things have, has to do with how much you do and how intensely you do it. Yeah. So um, uh, in the time when, when After Forever stopped and I started forming Revamp, um, at the same year, at that same time, the, um, the Netherlands hit an economical crisis. Mm. Uh, I used to work as a teacher and had all kinds of projects on the side that made my life livelihood uh, next to After Forever. And all of a sudden, none of it was left. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and in that, so I, I needed to find a job outside of music, which I uh, then did and never did after. Uh, and at the same time, trying to form a whole new band, being insecure about what I actually wanted and how I wanted to proceed. From there, I did that job for maybe a couple of months and then things became better. I started teaching at a school and then at another school. 
and there was this energy about it like I was there and I I now here again and I really want to get back there but giving things away to other people may result into other people deciding that things are not going to continue so I'm going to do everything myself and the, the schools where I taught uh, were brand new schools without, or at least one of them were, was very new and the other was older, but still didn't really have a good program. So let's start a school and you're going to write what the students are going to do this year. Wow, no pressure there. Yeah. Uh, especially since I was back in 99, part of this very first school that started without a right. real program. At least that's how it felt like. So I didn't want to put my students through the same insecurity. And I worked my ass off to get a proper program for these kids uh, while starting revamp, while doing everything myself. Uh, as in management, um, oh, we're going to have merchandise, how many shirts I'm going to print them, I'm going to personally fold them, I'm going to sell them. I mean, it went into extremes. And after a while, of course, yeah, your body says, you know what, this is way too much. Yeah. I went to the doctors. Hey, I just had 15 uh, throat inflammations. And, um, and I feel like, you know, shit, I looked like shit. I was pale, I was gray, I was basically, you know, I was so, so tired. And the doctor was like, yeah, it's a little bit weird because you're not that old. So you, um, you know, we're going to run a blood test again. We're going to run another blood test and another blood test. And he kept me, you know, like that back and forth, went to the hospital because my heart, uh, I, I, I couldn't breathe anymore after a while. And they were like, yeah, we're going to check your lungs. And you're going to check your heart. And uh, congratulations, you are super healthy. And they kept sending me home healthy because my blood test didn't show anything and I had a heart, healthy heart thankfully um, until I collapsed of course but nobody said it might actually not be physical and it might be something else yeah. so by the time that I stopped I, um, I couldn't do anything anymore and that I really I take them highly responsible for that lack of estimation of, yeah. my, uh, of how I was doing and once you hit the bottom that far uh, it takes a lot of time for you to come back so that was a year and a half of my life. Um, and by the time I started to feel a little bit better, I could plan uh, revamp number two. And there were a lot of things that I had to cancel. So maybe try and plan that again. And then I got this call from a Finnish band called Nightwish. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're in the US uh, on tour. And uh, can you come now? Do you know the set? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got back on my feet. <laughs> well, you know, um, you're as I've become more aware of, of what is often called burnout. Um, you are by no means the only one. Um, there are so many musicians oh. who go through this. Um, yeah. We're well, glad. People. And people, you're right, you're right, people. I, I mean, get it's, a, it's a personality thing, it really is. And you know what, I think, I think, I really hope that society is gonna pick up on the signals to start with. It really depends on where you work but um, I was in a group where, uh, where I was talking about everything. So yes, I did group therapy, which I first thought was horrible, but it was, I, I learned so much because there we were. There was a teacher, there was an accountant, different professions, different ages, both sexes rep equally represented. It's not about what you do. Yeah. It's about how you do it. And music, yeah, sure. Um, I think there are a lot of very, very sensitive musicians like myself that work through their emotions and work with everything that we are it's not just what we do we are musicians so we put everything in there and with that we are even more um 
we're in a higher risk group of getting yeah. ourselves completely sucked into it without the ability to say no when it's actually healthy to do so. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and you were doing kind of everything. Um, so, so, you know, I'm, we're all very glad that, that you worked through that. We're, and we're all very glad that um, you got that call from Nightwish. When I was talking to Tuomas, I believe I heard him say that you had only a few days to prepare to, to oh, go yeah. and sing that, sing that set. Is that in Seattle? <laughs> yeah, th that's right, and that's where I—not that you would remember—but that's where we met. Um, you you did that show, and a good friend of mine, uh, his name is Meg Megan Lindholm, uh, also known as Robin Hobb, is a writer okay. that Tuomos yeah. uh, has read. Yes, and mm -hmm. Megan's friend of mine because I also write books, and so she brought me down, and I got to meet you guys, and, and it was the first show that you sang. It was thrilling. No one like you. You nailed it. I and, and if you missed something, nobody knew. Um, I, I mean, if you prepared all of that in a couple of days, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I had my flight on Saturday, and the show was Monday. So, um, yeah, no, it it was a crazy uh, little amount of time. I still I had like pieces of paper on the on the stage on the monitors. Um, not that we use them, but now we use them for the papers. Uh, as reminders of like, oh, yeah, the lyrics are going like this, this and uh, it, it was crazy, but it was for me the best way to kick out of the uh, out of the pandemic and get this uh, pandemic. I'm sorry. Now I'm, I'm switching back to the wrong crisis of <laughs> 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 uh, the burnout like that. And just all of a sudden be back in the thing I love the most. It was yeah. the most fantastic reminder of, yes, of course, this is where you live for. This is who you are. And scary, yeah. Oof, I've never done anything more scary, but it was a fantastic thing to see and see that people appreciated what I did. Um, as soon as news came out that I was actually going to stay on board, the sales in several parts of the world started to go up. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, on ticket sales, pre-sales for, for, for tours after that. Uh, and if, the whole tour, and especially, of course, that night in Seattle, where it was basically, just so you know, there's a different singer here tonight. One person wanted to have his ticket money back so uh that was it was a fantastic fantastic yeah. thing to uh to experience and quite a kickstart to start a career in a band of night wishes magnitude <laughs> yeah it, um there's uh, uh you'd be hard pressed to find a vocalist that could have not just done the show but done and and filled the vocal slot in Nightwish, but done it so well um, and taking it to new places vocally. I know, I read that, um, and I think that this is a compliment that Tuomas pays you either um, by inference or maybe he said it explicitly, but that he, you know, you've, you've been on other interviews or, that I've read where you've talked about how he's pushed you. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think what, it, what I read was it had, that had a lot to do with like going lower into your, into your register and mm -hmm. singing more intimately um, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because, you know, you already came to the band with just this soaring voice that can hit, hit notes that, that many can't. Um, and you know, you're very, you're very battle tested, so to speak, musician and you, knew you could tour, you knew you could record, uh, you had the experience and the maturity as a musician. Um, but then to have, you know, this songwriter say, Hey, Floor, I want you to do even more things. <laughs> yeah. Great. 
yeah. Give, give me, give us an example of of um, a song. I think I even was reading a one where he um, he was asking you to do things that maybe you hadn't done before. Well, with Endless Forms Most Beautiful, it was for one, the first album that I sang on an entire album of uh, of a band I call my band that I didn't write or co-write. Mm. Um, so I needed to find a way to, um, yeah, go into the songs. And of course, I've been doing that with the older songs, performing them live. But now I have a song that nobody, songs that nobody else has sang. It's a, it's a blind sheet for me to fill in, in cooperation with, with Tuomas. And... Um, um especially the smaller softer songs as as you said uh, singing a bit lower without losing its intensity that was something that i didn't really uh experience yet and then he took it to a new level when human nature came and and he wrote he sent in the music and i started listening to it and i was like this is the vocal line hard to play when you do it with your fingers how am i gonna yeah. you know follow these melodies with my voice uh wow yeah so there there are definitely in the speed of it and the complexity of the lyrics and uh yeah that that became a whole new challenge i mean there are a few high notes here and there but i would i, I dare to say that high notes are, are more in my comfort zone than um some of the really fast stuff like yeah. the verses of shoemaker really really difficult to sing verses of uh, music really difficult to sing uh, without that it sounds like i'm just looking at my paper trying to follow the words and you know the notes yeah. it, it has to sound still as if i'm telling the story and if it, it needs to sound easy you know vocally easy which it really isn't so yeah that was i haven't rehearsed as much ever as i did for human nature and that's far into my uh, career so that's i think it's super cool because i have that kind of personality that needs challenge i will i will um it's impressive to me because one of the things first things i noted about uh nightwish music with the vocal lines is that the the phrasing the lyrical phrasing leaves very very often leaves very little room for taking a breath and so you've got to be artful when and where you do that so that you're not and because a lot of the music has such a uh, uh, the vocal line has such a rhythmic relationship to the rest of the music if you if you're late or miss something it's going to sound off so um that's a that's a vocal technique that i think is really unique um in nightwish music um yeah yeah you're right there yeah because it's it's a connecting factor between the instruments and the, the storytelling part with, with the actual lyrics and the feelings and the emotion that still need to come along. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely true. You do a, uh, a fantastic job. Keep Thank going. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a lovely, it's a lovely puzzle to work on, um, uh, which, which fortunately we now, we take a lot of time to rehearse and the band has always done that, but they haven't always been able to rehearse with their uh, singers. So for Friendless Forms Most Beautiful, it was the first time that they had their female um, singer joining rehearsals. Oh, wow. Which for me was a bit new because I always rehearsed and I've always been part of the whole process. So of course I'm here. And it really enriched the band feeling and the connection between vocals and, and music. And knowing this, I think, made Tuomas take a step even further during those uh, human nature rehearsals, which were definitely... Uh, we couldn't even play too long because of the complexity of it. Your brain is just, you know, if your if your voice doesn't already think like, oh, this is quite a bit, you know, your 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 mind is just boiling with everything new and yeah. And then there's the the creative puzzle. I mean, he makes 
um, he makes the lyrics and the vocal lines, he plays them on a piano and I, so I learn the melody and I learn the words, but then I need to learn how to sing them. Uh, and that, and the cool thing with having a rich palette, so to speak, in different kinds of colors that you could choose from, uh, there comes in my creative element where I yeah. can kind of see it. It, it. Does this need a rocky edge or should it be a bit softer? Is it going to be very airy or is it going to be full body bodied? Is it, well, of course, the end of Shoemaker, that was clear. It's going to be full blown opera, which a lot of Nightwish fans have been waiting for. Yeah. And uh, it was a perfect moment for me to actually really go there. But also there, he really challenged me because when I sang it the first time, it was like, yeah, I, I hit the notes, but it's it's not there. And then we re-recorded it and I hit the notes and everything was perfect, apart from that it didn't really feel quite there yet. Until we recorded the choirs and everything came into place. And then I recorded it. I actually recorded it in this room I'm sitting in right now. Oh, wow. For the third time. All the notes still working exactly as I did it before, but then something else happened. And it came out the way I didn't even know I could sing opera like that. It was <clears throat> super, super cool. Yeah. So there you go. Once again, with, with getting really, really challenged and taking your time to really figure out um, how to do it and dotting the I's together. That's uh, what a band does. Super cool. Yeah. You, Excuse me. The, um, <coughs> or as, as six, much success as you have had, and this is why I like to walk up uh, a career like yours. <laughs> So much success individually in in groups that you were part of. So much, um, so much really wonderful music in collaboration. And uh, you know, we'll have to just point people to your websites and your Wikipedia page for them to dig into all of it. But when you, uh, I would argue that when you got to Nightwish, so many of these things really came together in in um, very powerful ways. Part of this is, you know, there being music that's asking you to do things you maybe hadn't done before, because I was very impressed um, on both of the most recent records um, that you recorded on with Nightwish in the um, the sort of the lower tones having a sort of beauty without um, being soft, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. they still, I think you called it full bodied. Um, you've always had the high stuff. So, you know, uh, not that that should be taken for granted, it's just, um, but that's. You know. No, but you, you mean like adding things and yes, and growing and, and finding new things. And you you um the <laughs> colors that you you know and you I, I noted there were places where you'd add just a little bit of grit here and there, and so the instincts mm -hmm. you have to do the storytelling and lend weight to particular turns of phrase inside the music, um is special lore, and I think it's it's because uh, it's like you say there, you can hit notes. But that's not exactly the same thing as making music. Um, nope. And nope. The, the, the art that you create is the, is the latter. Um, you have the technical facility, um, and that's growing, which is really exciting to hear. I mean, at, at you know, um, this late, late stage in your career, you're adding things to your uh, vocal tool belt. Is, uh, yeah. Is, uh, that's really, really cool. Um, okay, well, then the... the, the just a couple quick questions and then we'll close out. Um, you, so that the, you have some shows coming up that you like one, two, two days from now, what's the music we're hearing at this concert? Well, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a, a, a few cover songs actually. Nice. And a run through my, um, my musical, uh, career. Um, okay. I was, I, I did this Dutch uh, TV show. Uh, a couple of years ago, which 
kind of uh, kicked off uh, a solo career um, without having any solo music and still being super busy with Nightwish. Um, I, I sing the songs that I sang in this TV show. And from there, during the shows, I wanted to, um, well, introduce more of the things that I've been doing to the audience that just met me through this TV show. So a whole new audience. Uh, and at the same time, please the audience that I had already have since it wasn't a newbie, there were a lot of people coming that already knew me. So uh, in that sense, I made a mix. I have a band with me that are like accession musicians, incredibly talented. They were with, uh, with that TV show as well, that's how we met. And they get to play everything from these, well, poppy covers that we try to kind of make a little bit heavier to make it sound towards, you know, my, my, my sound. Um, as um, a bit a bit milder revamp songs, uh, we play any yeah, everything from After Forever, Northward, revamp, uh, and even Nightwish. So that's that's uh, really cool. Yeah. We didn't get a chance to talk about Northward, um, uh, oh. which is I listen to a bunch of that music, and that's for folks who like. I would I would characterize it in broad strokes as sort of just really great hard rock, but it um, is yeah it's absolutely great music. Nothing metal about it. <laughs> yeah, no, but th I mean that's just. Th that's not a that's not to marginalize it at all like it is it is really great hard rock music um and yeah. you sing that it, it shows yet another complexion in your voice uh, i wanted to ask though this this is it i read something about um this tv show you did where you mm -hmm. did you've performed even some phantom of the opera songs is this part of the show on thursday or is that a different yes. thing yeah okay. yeah so the, the the TV program is it's called Best Designers, which in Dutch means best singers, which sounded like it is almost like a context, a contest, but it isn't. Um, they invite uh, five singers or seven. God, I can't remember. A bunch of singers, uh, and we're going to perform each other's songs, but we're going to make it sound like our own. Okay. Um, so. Um, I'm singing a pop song or even a reggaeton song that I tried to make heavier. Nice. Um, <laughs> I did even shallow because one of the girls there, uh, she's a, a YouTube artist. She only sings covers. So sang, I sang a cover of her cover, but I changed it into my own version. It's a really hard song to make it heavier. So we, we kind of downsized to make it into a, into a ballad. I mean, a good song you can kind of mold into any form anyway. And, um, yeah, that's that's basically how, how what I did, and then I uh, there's one um, episode where we sing uh, duets with 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 each other, and uh, the guy I'm singing this with was the Phantom of the Phantom of the Opera in the Netherlands uh, oh, yeah. in the '90s, a huge hit. It was the, the musical was extremely extremely popular, but Nightwish also did the Phantom of the that's Opera. That's right, and so we kind of made like a a mix of the of the two and i got to sing that with him which is basically as soon as i heard he was on the show i was like i need to sing that with him he needs to agree <laughs> <laughs> I, well little did we know that that would be it, it became a huge thing it's it's yeah. um so we're going to be doing that uh in two days as well <laughs> that's uh that's what i was kind of leading towards because i watched a video of you singing with him and yeah. it's it's awesome um yeah so I'm, I'm a fan Fireworks. of yeah, it I uh, really really good. You're both just amazing. I'm a I'm a theater fan anyway. Um uh, but then to get to hear you sing a, a song like that. Um and then this so my the natural question is so you're singing the concert Thursday. Will it, did I hear you say there'll be like a string of these or is this a one-time engagement? 
this is just one thing yeah okay. i want to show and then in september comes um the show i would uh, i had to postpone and one festival and that's okay. that's it for now for my solo uh, endeavors um mainly also because we kind of hope that nightwish will be able to uh kick off that uh world tour starting with a few festivals and then hopefully we can do our european tour um in november december yeah i saw you guys are on the hellfest bill next um, year yeah yeah we were feels like we've been on the bill for years yeah which is true <laughs> <laughs> uh, um well, yeah, that and that was going to be my other question, which you answered, um, which was Nightwish tour. Um, I guess, yeah. I guess, there's no news yet, but we are our fingers are crossed that that'll get scheduled sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're putting everything into works to uh, follow all the updates. We would have actually been able. I mean, I know that the US is doing really well when it comes to um, you know the the virus and all. Um, but it's impossible for us to get a, vi a visa else we would have been actually able to come but yeah without a visa you can't do anything and they can't get you a visa so it's like yeah well <sighs> um you know the the I, I wanted to tell you that um and i said this to thomas when i got to, to chat with him you know he particularly with these last couple of records he's just kind of tackled these ginormous themes these archetypal mm -hmm. themes mm -hmm. um and it uh he's fortunate that that he's got you to sing him uh and not and not just because of your voice but as i was trying to kind of lay out you've had this career where you've worked inside of um needing to tell story i this i i care about this because i care a lot about um music that actually has a narrative sensibility i love other stuff too but this is a, an area that is a passion mm -hmm. of mine so when these records came out um i was really excited because they're 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 not heavy in sort of like a, a dark way, but they're like the themes are big. You're like you're tackling you know archetypal yeah. things, and um, uh, you do it so wonderfully. And uh, your pedigree, not that you couldn't have done it anyway, but your pedigree and all the you know you'd gone through with all the other previous work positioned you just to to knock this out of the park. Um, these records are so good. Um, uh, I know we've got Nightwish fans on watching, but if you're not a, a, a fan or you haven't heard any of these last couple of records, um, I, I really commend you to go and listen to them. Uh, it shows Floor, uh, it, you know, really firing on all pistons, all of these 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 elements of her voice that we've talked about and bringing that to bear on some really beautiful and also meaningful work that uh, has conservation um, behind it with the World Land Trust and some other things we didn't have time to talk about. Um, but it's a, it's a, um, it, they're kind of a tour de force, they, as they say, these records. Uh, and so it's really exciting, um, to think about be, being able to see that tour when you hopefully come, I hope you come through Seattle when, when the time comes. Uh, so we get to Me see too. it. I have a special connection to Seattle for always. So. Yes, you do. That <laughs> history, Nightwish history. Um, Absolutely. the last question I, I usually ask my guests are, is, um, are there other mountains you want to climb? Um, it could be a musical style or a musical thing that you don't have time for, but someday would, or it could be, mm. you know, you want to be a carpenter someday. I mean, is, <laughs> there, is there a, is there a thing you know in you to do or try, but you just, it's not going to happen until time permits. Um, short term, I would say I, I've been working on the solo album since the beginning of the pandemic, or let's say a little bit before that, where, where, when that solo career ball started rolling in the Netherlands and, it kind of 
it really kickstarted some of my own creativity that I haven't really been able to use over the years, which is fine. But now it's nice that it, it gets out and I, I would like to do more with that and actually finish that album and, and make, make those steps and find a way to combine a solo career with Nightwish and my life at yeah. home, which I uh, even more value after spending so much time here in this green heaven where I live. Um, um, and long term, um, the biggest, my biggest desire is to keep doing this in, in a good balance between everything. And that might maybe sounds a bit cheesy or, or yeah, of course. But if I see how difficult that is for everybody that's been doing this for a long, long time yeah. to keep a certain mental health, to keep a certain connection to the rest of the world, the not we are in a tour situation world, but the world outside of that bubble that would be something I, I highly ambition and to not lose my mind halfway being Mrs. Rockstar or whatever. And um, yeah, and being a very, very high sensitive person, I, I'd like to keep my sanity in the overflow of, of impulses and, and impressions that I get throughout these days. And um, yeah, can still come home to where I'm coming home to uh, now. That would be... A long-term dream <laughs> yeah no that's a um for folks who maybe aren't as as close to it uh, maintaining any degree of success as a musician um the demands of touring and the complication that that can be with with having a family and those relationships that those are non-trivial goals <laughs> as, yeah. as we say that's a lot so that's a uh, uh, that's a great ambition and and for fans of you I'm not just Nightwish, but but of your voice and all the things you do, like we all hope you uh, are successful at that. Um, I have a lot of confidence that that will be true. And I'm really excited to hear about this uh, this solo stuff that you're working on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds really exciting. Um, it's nice to do. Yeah. Like with Northward, you know, I tried to do something completely different. Like now I've been doing metal, 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 and, and I, I love it, but I'd like to do something else, and I got triggered to do something outside of the box and it became rock and and with this it's more of a need to not do metal or rock at all and 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 explore my voice in different ways and see how i sound if i take that heavy edge off without um losing the intensity of of music and that is that is not so easy to do yeah. so that, that i've been really doing that for more than a year without you know, having, I, I wrote a lot of songs I will probably never use. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a process in the making. And I, I want to take my time for it because kicking off something like this, you only do it once and then you do it good. I don't just want to look, I wrote a song, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> look, yeah. mom and dad, this is, this is it. <laughs> so it's, it's a careful process, but it's super fun to do. And uh, yeah, nice to use my creative energy in a, in a different way. And my musicianship, um, uh, in the here and the now differently as well so it's a it's a cool cool development and well throughout this talk i guess it became clear that i like to keep challenge be challenged and keep myself challenged to not sit back and just uh, see everything unroll as it is so uh yeah we'll continue on that path <laughs> yeah that's um i i don't know if you're gonna do it but i i read in in your backstory that you played flute you played piano um, I, how fun would it be to if you do some songs where we get to hear you do those things too? Yeah, if I was any good, I guess it would be <laughs> cool. But <laughs> piano playing has always been very functional, 
could be next to anybody who can really play it. It's it's like nice. No, yeah. uh, flute was something I really did, but it's a long time ago. Long time. Instrumentally, I'm really not as involved, um, developed, or yeah, I never got as engaged as I am vocally. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll all just kind of bide our time, but um, I, I love the idea of you doing something that goes in a new direction. Because I, and this is one of the, the purposes of this show, is to um, kind of get at the idea that, that musicians usually aren't one thing. Um, you're very known as um, probably the best, um, if not voice in, in metal, female voice in metal. Um, you're always in the conversation. And, um, but that's not all you are. You did this rock, rock thing, which we didn't talk about, but we'll put a link to, which is really cool. And there's people who are going to dig that, that maybe haven't heard Nightwish. Um, and I think some of the stuff we heard on these last two records is suggestive of the fact that you can sing in, in, um, with the intensity you're talking about in a, a different register and with a sort of, um, you know, just softer beauty, uh, than you know, a lot of metal records will ever have. So if if that's any indication of the kinds of things you're exploring, I think that's really really exciting music. Cool. So okay. So um, thank you so much for being with us, folks. Uh, this has been Floor Jansen um, chatting with us on Breaking Absolutes. Uh, Floor, I, I I know I kept you past your time, but everybody's happy that you spent a few extra minutes with us. You're very welcome. It was very enjoyable to talk. Thank you for uh, a very lovely conversation into the the depth of my career. I guess, I, I mean, now it, we we went over over twenty years of things happening. So uh, yeah, I guess it would have been a little bit hard to push all of that in, in an hour. And I well, I hope for everybody who is joining us here that it was enjoyable and that you're curious perhaps about some of the things you might not know about me. Um, Peter, thank you very much for having me and being so well prepared uh, about well those 20 years ago so that was very very nice oh, hopefully you're... we'll meet again in seattle um and be actually remembering now because that first show forgive me for uh yeah my brain was everywhere <laughs> <laughs> well i'll say it one last time um uh i think it speaks to your professionalism that that show uh there was never anything that looked off um and oh. <laughs> um yeah it was you know i think you created fans that night because you came in and did such a such a, uh, a dynamic performance on such short notice, like yeah, so uh, and and I think this Twomas, the way he put it is he goes um, and the rest is history. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> we didn't know that yet, but yes, it was yeah yeah yeah. It was uh, it's nice to think back of that time because it was such a it was such a challenge, um, yeah. Well, you've had an amazing career and it's far from over. Um, so thanks again. I'm sure we'll meet down the road. And until then, um, take good care of yourself. You too. And everybody watching and listening today. Uh, thank you so much for that. Keep healthy. And hopefully uh, very, very soon life will continue um, in good health and we can rock out That's right. in person. That would be good. <laughs> That'll be good. All right. Take care, Floor. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.